Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church podcast. We're a family that believes you matter, and together we can do something that matters. We hope that this podcast aids you in your spiritual journey toward Jesus. If we can serve you on that journey, please let us know by visiting our website, renovationchurch.com. We always love to hear how the ministry of renovation is impacting your life. The best way to let us know is by leaving a review or tagging us on social media. Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. I've had untold numbers of people ask me how God guides us. How do we hear the voice of the Lord? How do we know that he is actually speaking? And that's an important question to have because of the sheer number of choices we have in the world today. There's a super abundance of options. The world is basically a Maggiano's menu with choices all around us. The average U.S. supermarket, for instance, has 48,750 different choices. Let me give you a free fitness information here. Avoid the middle, stay on the outside, you'll change your whole life. 48,000 choices. And choice, it can be a great thing. Choice can be a fantastic thing. It can be a blessing. But in some ways, it doesn't make decisions any easier. And so one of the first questions maybe that you ask yourself on any given day is, is, do the choices that I make matter? Do the decisions that I make matter? When I make a choice, what, what are the ripples? What are the impact? What are the effects? How do I know that I've made the right choice? Is it all just random or is there actually some purpose to my life? In fact, as I was thinking about this uh, sermon this week, I was reminded of this quote from Augustine. He said, men go abroad to wonder at the heights of the mountains and at the huge waves of the sea and at the long courses of the rivers and at the vast compass of the ocean and at the circular motion of the stars. and And as they pass by themselves every day, they pass by without wondering. Shared this quote once with a friend who's not a follower of Jesus, and he scoffed. He believed that people are nothing in which to marvel, and that life has no true meaning or purpose, that decisions were random and scattershot. And it grieves me to think that someone was actually going through the world this way. You see, if he is right, that we have no real purpose, then yeah, the decisions we make, they don't matter. They're just uh, another set of circumstances in a random assortment of daily activities. But if he's wrong, and I do believe he's wrong, then life is filled with meaning. In fact, I preached the book of Ecclesiastes a few years ago. It's one of my favorite books that I've ever preached. I want to run it back again because I'd heard it taught so many times that the theme of Ecclesiastes was meaningless, meaningless. And it's actually not. It's actually meaningful, meaningful. Because life is a vapor, that means that we've got to live every moment fully present to God, self, and others. So I do believe he's wrong. I believe our life is filled with purpose. I believe life is an amazing gift. And if life is filled with purpose and life is an amazing gift, then guess what? The choices you make matter. The choices, they they have weight to them. They have weight to them. They matter. Why? Because you matter. You matter. In fact, the Bible says that you are God's 
masterpiece. Can I go nerdy for one minute? The Greek word there is poema. Poema. It's, it's the word that we get the word work of art or poem from. And what the Bible says is that every person is a masterpiece made by a master craftsman for a master work. God designed you on purpose with purpose, which means, which means that you're not useless. You're not worthless. You do count. You are seen. And it also means that your life has significance, which means that your choices have significance. Your choices have significance. Now, some of you think, well, I made too many mistakes. No, you've never made too many mistakes. I've made plenty. Trust me. You've never made too many mistakes to derail your purpose. That would be saying that your mistakes are more powerful than God's purposes for your life. In fact, I love this quote by Nelson Mandela. He said, don't judge me by my successes. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. Is that not the story of the gospel? That we fall down. Y'all don't remember that old song by Donnie McClurkin. But we get up. We fall down. But we get up. Oh, I love that song. How many times have you gotten up? That's the question. Because it's never too late. It's never too late. If you are still alive, it is never too late. It is never too late to understand that your life is filled with purpose. And so if that's the case, let me go back to the beginning. If you are not randomly set in your circumstances, if you are not randomly uh, a, a part of an unfolding equation, if, if, if life is not a simulation, and you were just not here by accident, but on purpose, with a purpose, made by a master craftsman as a masterpiece for a masterwork, then you need to know how to discern the decisions you are making in living out your purpose. You need to know how to be guided by God. You need to understand how to hear from him, discerning his direction. Sometimes I think discerning the direction of God can be analogous to Apple or Google Maps or GPS, right? We, we're all familiar with those devices. We go in a direction, we go the wrong direction, it says change course, change course, change course, change course. Until we finally get going in the right direction again. Even when we go wrong, don't miss this, even when we go wrong, it doesn't give up on trying to get us where we need to go. And God is very much the same, not comparing him to a GPS device. But in saying that, even when we go the wrong way, God never gives up in trying to get us to go the right direction. He never gives up. He's always speaking. He's always speaking. Now, obviously, in the natural world, you can switch off your GPS and drive into a lake. But if you follow it, you'll generally have more success. In fact, I remember years ago, uh, when Brianna and I went to Australia for the first time, it wasn't my first time, it was the first time that I took her to Australia. Uh, I was preaching several times on that trip, 
And, uh, and so I saw a great opportunity for her to see some of the country. I was very excited about that. Well, when we landed in the country, there was a mix-up. We landed in Brisbane, and we waited for a very long time for our ride. And apparently there was a mix-up, not on our end, because at that time, Mrs. Don Crowley was my assistant, and she makes no mistakes when my travel is at stake. I'm just telling y'all what time it is. And so we got over there, and we were waiting in the domestic terminal, but they were waiting at the international terminal because they assumed that since we flew in from the U.S. that we would land international when, in fact, we had flown through Sydney, and so we were at domestic. And so after about three hours of waiting, was it about three hours? We were like, what are we going to do now? I said, well, I guess I'm going to rent a car, and we're going to get where we're going. Now, in case you didn't know this, I had never driven on the wrong side of the road before, or the right side, depending on what part of the world you're in. And so... We got ready to go, and the lady said, and I can't do an Australian accent very well, so I won't try. But if it was Scottish, I would do it. Uh, she said, do you need a GPS? And at first I said, no, I don't need a GPS. I have my phone. And Brianna goes, we don't have any service. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, let me get that GPS. We hop in the car, and we take off. And I want you to imagine driving this way on the wrong side of the road. And my poor wife is clinging to the back of the chair for dear life. Like, we're going to die today. And we didn't. We made it. In fact, I drove around that entire trip. And eventually, even though I went the wrong way several times, several times, eventually the GPS got me exactly where I need to go. Now, the analogy breaks down. I know that. We're not dealing with a machine. We're dealing with a person. We're dealing with the living God. We're dealing with a God who loves us, but I hope that you would see in that analogy the understanding that God has a guidance system. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to guess. You don't have to be confused. God has a guidance system. We just need to tune into it. In fact, Psalm 32, 8, God says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. It's that clear. I will counsel you and watch over you. So here's the question. How do we tap into God's guidance system? And let me tie it all together again for you from the beginning. If life is not meaningless, if life is not random, if I am a masterpiece, if I've been made with purpose, if I've been made with design, if my decisions matter, then I would think that I would want to tap into the GPS of the creator so that I know that God's guidance system is leading me directly to the purpose that he has for me. So how do I get into God's guidance system? Five ways I want to give you, and then I'm going to be out your way. Okay? If you want to write them down now, you can, but they're going to throw them up as I go. The way that we discern how God guides us, number one, is commanding Scripture, the Bible. If you weren't here for first Wednesday, um, man, you missed a time. Uh, and we preached on why the Bible matters. You can find that on YouTube. I think it will be a powerful gift to your life. Commanding Scripture. Number two, compelling spirit, the Holy Spirit. Number three, the counsel of the Christian community. You're not meant to do life in isolation. Number four, common sense. Okay? I remember my mother used to tell us all the time, y'all got all those book smarts and no common sense. Common sense, that means reason. And number five, circumstantial signs, the providence of God. These are the different ways that the Bible shows us that God's guidance system is activated in our life. So number one, commanding scripture commanding scripture. This is God's guidebook for your life. 
This is God's guidebook for your life. In fact, the psalmist says in Psalm 119, 105, that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is the main way that I have found over 20 plus years of practicing the way of Jesus. This is the main way that I found God to speak to me. It is through his word. He has spoken to me through his word. And I, and I read his word every day. And you heard this all on Wednesday. I read his word every day because it is life to me. I would die without his word. I wouldn't know his voice without his word. It is how he speaks to me. It is through his word. And so if you feel God is distant, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, I'm not talking to you on this moment, but if you're a Christian and you feel God is distant from you right now, I would ask you, how often are you in the word? Are you only eating on Sunday? Because if you only eat when you come here, you're malnourished. In fact, I, had an, no, I have an idea for a t-shirt, but I'm not going to tell y'all because y'all be stealing. But when it shows up, you're going to want one. She make t-shirts. The Bible tells us how to hear God's voice. It is God's voice. He speaks through his word. The Bible also tells us what God's primary calling is in your life. God's primary concern is not about what you do or about who you marry or whether you get married or not or about how many children you have. The primary calling on your life is a relationship with the living God. And that is what he's... Now, all of those other things are good. That's why the Bible says what? Seek first, not seek only. Seek first the kingdom of God and then all those other things that you want and need will be added to you. God's primary concern is a relationship with him. That's what gives ultimate meaning to life. Yes, we're called to love our family. Yes, we're called to love our friends. Yes, we're called to love our neighbors. Our calling, no matter how it expresses itself, is to love and serve God by loving and serving people. But our primary function, our primary focus, it's a relationship with the living God. It's a relationship with the living God. Why? Because God wants us to become more and more like Jesus. God wants us to become more and more like him. And in this book, in this word, you see what it means to faithfully follow God, what it means to be led by his spirit, what it means to be a person of integrity. In fact, there's some things that you don't need to pray about because they're clear in the book. They're clear in the book. And God is speaking to you through his scripture. In fact, I heard this little quip that a man who just become a Christian wrote uh, to the revenue service like this. He said, dear sir, uh, I've just become a Christian, and I've found that I cannot sleep at night. So here is the $100 that I owe you. P.S., if I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest. <laughs> Why? Because all of a sudden, right and wrong became very, very clear. So there are things we know we're not supposed to do, and then there are things we know we're supposed to do. Good things. Good works. The purpose that we were talking about a moment ago. 
There are things that are very, very clear in Scripture that we're supposed to do that give us life and give life to others and honor who God is and who he is making us. God guides us by his word. Number two, by his spirit, compelling spirit. To be a Christian is to be led by the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts and we begin to hear the voice of God through the Holy Spirit within us. It takes a bit of time to begin to recognize the voice of the Spirit. So let me give you this one little aside here because my wife and I were talking yesterday morning and she thought that, you know, maybe the Lord said something to her during Saturday morning prayer. And I told her, well, remember how I counseled our sister the other day at small group because she was asking the same thing. When I'm praying, how do I know it's not my thoughts? How do I know it's God speaking? Here are the two things I would tell you. Number one, if you think a thought that you've never thought ever and it has no relevance to your life, your world, your reality, and by relevance I mean that it is not a direct application in a moment and a day, it just came out of nowhere, then more than likely it did not come from within you. Number two, if you think that thought and that thought aligns with the word of God and the heart of God and the passion of God and the spirit of God and the good of others, then more than likely that is God speaking. That is how he speaks. Why? Because our nature, how do you get there, pastor? I get there via Genesis chapter three. What is our nature? Our nature is to self-serve. Our nature is to self-sabotage. Our nature is to sin. And so when we think a thought that is antithetical to our nature that does not come from inside because we've never thought that thought before, then God might be speaking, particularly when you are in intentional prayer. But you've got to grow to tune yourself to the voice of God. You've got to grow. And... The way you grow is by listening and responding when he speaks and you know it's him. Let me give you an example. You may find yourself talking about somebody behind their back or gossiping. Matter of fact, if you've been through growth track, you know you've heard me say this. Gossip has killed more churches than adultery ever will. You find yourself gossiping. You have a great story to tell. But it's not your story to tell. But you're talking about it anyway. It's such a good story. It's too juicy. You know, some love is blind stuff. And the spirit says, shut your mouth. That's not your business. And you have a moment right then. That's the conditioning. When the spirit says, be quiet. Are you going to talk anyway? Are you going to heed the spirit? Again, go back to the previous example. If you know your nature is to want to spread other people's business, then when you suddenly think, I probably shouldn't say this, that's probably the Lord. That's probably him speaking. That is the spirit of God guiding you. In fact, Philippians 2.13 says, God works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So, for example, before I was a Christian, the very last thing in the world that I thought I would be was a pastor. Y'all have no idea. When I first went public, my inbox was filled up. You? Who letting you be somebody's pastor? Not you. Not Big Red Silky. Yeah. I'll tell you the origins of that nickname in another story. Of all of the things that I could have been, 
A pastor was last on the list. But when I became a Christian, when I became compelled by the Spirit, I fell in love with the Lord. I fell in love with his church. I fell in love with his mission. And I submitted to his calling. That's how God guides us. Sometimes he guides us in unusual ways through visions and pictures and prophecies. I can think of a prophecy that was given to Brianna and I back in 2007 that we're just starting to realize the fruit of this year. Sometimes God speaks that way. The Bible tells us that. Sometimes he gives us impressions as we pray for people, as we're going to pray for people at Alpha Weekend next week. As we pray for them, sometimes you're praying and something comes to mind and you've never thought about that a day in your life. And it feels mundane, but all of a sudden you see it interconnected to something that you've been trying to work through. And it is the spirit. In fact, I can think of years ago, I was praying for this young couple at the altar. You remember this? I was praying for this young couple. We were doing an altar call. That's the kind of church we were part of back then. They did altar calls. And you know what? A lot of cool stuff happened. And we were down there praying for folks, and this girl comes up, and she is sobbing. She is broken. And her boyfriend comes up, stands behind her, and he's stoic. Gang, gang, you know. And I start praying for her, and the spirit goes, I'm not, I cannot make this up. The spirit goes, tell him if he stops pressuring her to sleep with him, then I can salvage their relationship. They weren't married. And so I'm like, oh, I'm not saying that. <laughs> That's how you catch a lawsuit these days. And the spirit is pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing. And finally, I said, I said, hey, man, maybe this is the Lord, maybe it's not. That's a great way to start. <laughs> when you think you've heard from God, can I give you some free advice? That's a great way to start. Maybe this is the Lord, maybe it's not. But I believe God wants you to stop pressuring her into premarital sex and that it is disintegrating your relationship. I cannot make this up. This joker was standing like this and he went, <gasps> and he starts crying everywhere. Big, took a big deep breath, big old joker too. Big country fed Tennessee boy, good and thick. And he took this big deep breath and then he just fell apart. And he repented to her and he repented to the Lord and he married that girl and they have a great relationship and Jesus is in the midst of it. Sometimes the spirit will speak. Amen. Thank you, sir. He's kind of Pentecostal. We got one clap. We got one clapper in here. That's where you would go. Amen. Amen. That's, that's called the testimony. Their life was changed forever. And if I had not been attuned to the Spirit speaking, and if I had not been willing to speak the thing that the Spirit was saying, then who knows what their next set of choices would have been. The compelling spirit, number three, the counsel of the Christian community. The counsel of the Christian community. Now, I'm going to preach a whole sermon on the church, so I won't go too deep into what the church is, but... I do want to talk about what the church should be in your life in helping to be a part of God's guidance system. We're not alone in this. God has put you in a community. God has put you in a community. 
And the way you experience this is through small groups here. You should be in a small group. If you're not in a small group, get in a small group. If you're coming every single week and just sitting in rows and not in circles, then you are not living an abundant life. Get in community. Why? Because you need the community. The Holy Spirit doesn't just speak alone. And he doesn't just speak through the word. He speaks through people. In fact, the writer of Proverbs says this, Proverbs 12, 15, the wise person listens to advice. In case you miss that, he comes back in Proverbs 20, 18 and says, make plans to seek advice. Actually plan to seek it out. Pray first and then go to the community. I'm so grateful for the advice of the people in my life. For the advice of my friends, for the advice of my co-laborers, for the advice of my parents, at times, for the advice of my teenagers. I put something on the other day, and Eden was like, that's not eating, Dad. That's not eating. There's crumbs everywhere. I was like, okay, I'll go upstairs and change. If you don't know what I just said, I'm coming out with a Gen Z Bible next year. It's not eating. There's crumbs everywhere. She's trying to tell me my outfit wasn't working. That's what she was saying. She was giving me, and it was good advice. She was right. She was right. I can admit it. She was right. I was trying to go bold with some different pattern connections. It just wasn't coming together. I'm grateful for her advice. Now, ultimately, of course, we're responsible for our own decisions, aren't we? But it's such a blessing not to be on your own. So how do you know when God is prompting the spirit to speak advice to you or for you to seek it from a friend? Well, there's a few tests. There's a few tests. And we, we're encouraged to grab our framework from the New Testament, aren't we? So 1 John 4, 1 says, test the spirits and see whether they're from God. Right? Because some people give bad advice. And you got to make sure, or some people give advice that doesn't square with the scriptures. You got to do what makes you happy, girl. Well, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. So listen, we're not going to take that advice. Again, this is the counsel of the Christian community. Okay? Not the folks who don't serve the same Jesus that you do. So you test the advice. Why? Because God's not going to contradict himself. Is it loving? Because God is love. Is it loving? Somebody might say, oh, I went off. <laughs> I went off on that fool today because my friends told me enough. Was, my church friends told me enough was enough, so I went off. Is it loving? Is it loving? Because if it's not loving, then God probably didn't tell you to do that. Is it upbuilding? It's just strengthening. Another test to do is, do you feel peace about the decision? Colossians 3, 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Do you feel peace about the decision? Now, quite frankly, some of us never feel peace, but that's a different problem. But do you feel peace about the decision? Does it settle in your stomach okay? Right? And last thing I would say, 
Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Is this person who is giving you advice, especially hard advice, have they cut you before and it went the right way? Right? A scalpel can be a tool or a weapon. It just depends on what it's being used for. A friend cuts you to get infection out. An enemy kisses you to get the scalpel in. Okay? Have they cut you before? Did it align with the word? Did it go the way that you hoped it would go? Then it's common sense. Fourth is common sense. God's promises of guidance does not save us from the problem of thinking. Okay? Faith is not about throwing your brain away. Okay? Well, I'm waiting for the Spirit to tell me what to do next. Have you thought about it? No. Have you weighed the pros and cons? Absolutely not. I don't want to disturb the unadulterated flow of what the Spirit might do. No, no, no. Think. Think. An intelligent faith is an attractive faith. I'm all about the Holy. Y'all know that? What did Paul say? I pray in tongues more than all of y'all. And I know that to be a fact. So it's not about dismissing the movement of the Spirit. It's about understanding that we also have to activate our minds. In fact, 2 Timothy 2.7 says, reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all of this. In other words, use your head. Use your brain. Think about what's going. Use your mind. God will guide you. There are things in the scriptures that will tell us the general will of God. So we know in general that the Bible says a singleness is a high calling. A noble calling. And that marriage is normative. But it's not going to tell you who you should marry. Let me go ahead and blow this one up. It's been a while. There is no such thing as the one. Because the first person to get it wrong threw off the algorithm for everybody. You know who the one is? The one who loves Jesus. The one who loves you. The one who serves the church. The one who can take care of themselves generally. The one with some vision, the one with shared dreams, that's the one. Because the person you end up marrying, they're going to change every year anyway. Right? I tell them boys in the barbershop all the time, they're like, I don't know how you do monogamy. I said, it's easy. I get a new wife, December 14th, every year. Every year. It's an adventure. Right? 
She's going to have to learn and relearn this person anyway. Listen, to all my single folk in here, if you don't feel called specifically to singleness, you better stop playing with this list in your brain and look around you and see the people that God has put in your path and determine if they meet that criteria, not the dream you've written up in your mind. It's common sense. Common sense. We got to think. We got to think. We got to actually use our brain, right? You don't have to wait for a man named Ezekiel with three toes who's six foot two because the Lord said. Do they love Jesus? Are they kind? Are you relatively compatible and compatible? Meaning, will you enjoy fighting this person? I enjoy fighting my wife. It's, it's a pleasure. Common sense. Last thing I'll say on this, stop waiting for lightning bolt moments and burning bushes. Stop waiting for lightning bolt moments and burning bushes. Just use your brain. Last thing, last, last thing. Not about this in general. I'm moving on from, from my single folks. God does not call us out of things. He calls us into things. So before you leave anything, job, relationship, circle, community, friends, church, make sure you're being called into something because God don't call you out of anything. God called his people out of Egypt so he could call them into worship. Not to just randomly call them out of the place where they were. You don't believe me? Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I don't have time to get into it. Circumstantial signs. Circumstantial signs. That's number five. God is sovereign. He rules. He reigns over everything. In fact, Romans 8.28 famously says, you know this. We know all things work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Circumstantial signs. God will use those to point you in the right direction. When Brianna and I moved to Atlanta, I applied for about 180 jobs. Many of you have heard this story already. I was rejected over and over and over and over and over again. And I was frustrated because I was rejected. But then the first job I got was in foster care, which birthed a heart for foster ministry, which I participated in that birthed the ministry of Promise 686 that our church is now a part of. But if I hadn't been rejected, there would be no church. I don't know about that ministry. And I also wouldn't be walking in the calling that God has placed on my life. If I hadn't experienced that disappointment, that I wouldn't have arrived at the good that I'm currently standing in. Sometimes we can't see why he's doing what he's doing. We just have to trust that he's doing it for our good. If you walk in this relationship with God, reading scripture, listening to the spirit, talking to the saints, thinking with your brain, 
and watching for circumstantial signs, you will know God's guidance. And going back to the beginning, you will fundamentally walk in the purpose that he has for your life. Amen. Well, I don't know where that baby clap came from, but thank you for that. It came from a corner. I appreciate that. Amen. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. I appreciate that. Amen. Amen. You preaching good, pastor. Thank you for that word you gave today to tell me that my life has value and meaning. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that you would pour out your spirit over us, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to your compelling spirit, to your commanding word, to the counsel of your community, to common sense, <laughs> and to circumstantial signs so that we might experience together what it means to be locked into your guidance system and so that we might fully walk in the purpose that you have for us. We ask these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.